Hello and welcome to the Icelandic Art Center out there. I'm your host, Becky Forsyth. I'm a curator, and this series is all about exploring Icelandic artists and art out in the field. In this episode, we sit down with art collective Lucky Three, composed of artists Darren Mark, Dirfina Benita, and Melanie Ubalto. Together, their practices reach into fashion and design, music, painting, performance, sculpture, and installation. Their work builds upon the personal experiences of their Filipino-Icelandic heritage and identity, family histories, shared memory, belonging, inclusivity, and connectedness. Lucky Three reveals and explores the vulnerabilities in being artists of color or cultural minority in Iceland, and the strength they find in working collectively. Lucky Three, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for, having, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Who are you and who is Lucky Three? You're first. Sorry, you under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, my name is Dirfina. I make paintings and drawings and I make work with Lucky Three. And I'm also a musician. I rap and sing under the name Countess Malays. I'm Darren. I uh, graduated from fashion design from Atlawi. Currently work with clothing, but mixed with the elements of like painting, illustration, performance, and yeah, but all, and like the main like vehicle is always clothing. So I try to always integrate everything with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm Melanie. I graduated from the BA of in fine arts in FOE in 2016. I'm currently back doing my MA, the same school. Yeah, my work is predominantly based on painting, large-scale installational paintings with very autobiographical text work incorporated with those paintings. And together we work as the lucky three. Perfect. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me what the main focus of your collective is? Community. Filipino. Pride. Acceptance. Shame. Empathy. All around badassery. Why is Lucky Three an important voice in the current scene? Because we have a different voice than has been around in the scene. Different perspectives, or like, also yeah. really fresh perspective that comes with being from two countries or just places in general you kind of have like a different outlook on things I would say that never really having a sense of belonging always like like it has a big part in what we do as lucky free mm-hmm. always like in a thought process on how we do things and how things are presented or how things are addressed it always kind of stems from being an in-betweener which is like never really been voiced in a way here, I would say. Shedding a light kind of on the loneliness that we feel collectively and also being honest with our experiences, our emotions and our political views. Just to contextualize this explanation a bit, Darren and Melanie, you immigrated to Iceland at young ages and Dirfina, your first generation. 
Yes. Born in Iceland, born and raised. That's what you're speaking about as you answer this question. Yes. So can you explain how that informs the making and the reading of what you're doing together in your work as Lucky Three? This is our collective first-person immigrant story, mm-hmm. which also translates like generational back to our parents' experience of migra-immigration yeah. mm-hmm. and then our own personal experiences with that translated into this like aesthetic environment of art that we all work in yeah when we come together it kind of organically just like comes out of us it really flows and is easy for us to to make happen because we have exactly this these experiences together and have this thing to connect us and also make us feel less alone and stronger Mm -hmm. yeah it's something that you live and you yeah. feel and you know. Yeah. And you feel a difference in your environment because of it. Mm-hmm. And also I think like on top of like connecting through all of that or with that, it's like it's like a really well-rounded thing because like you were born here. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was eight, you and you were in your teens. That's like three completely different... Like stages? And also like how you take your environment because a lot of times you are kind of like, you kind of end up being like a product of your environment in some ways. So it's like, you had a completely different experience to what I had. I was, I was like, like a tiny kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you, like, you were born here. Mm-hmm. But you still have, like, as much connection as Melanin and I, I, I have mm-hmm. with the Philippines, with, like, visiting there with your fam. Beyond meeting in the cafeteria at school, how did this all happen? What drew you together? And would you say is the strength of your collaborative? It kind of started with, I wanted to do an exhibition about my heritage and like mix it with my paintings and mix cultural elements. I did a lot of proposals and I never got a yes or an answer. And I was really frustrated and Uh, At the time, I was going a lot to Melanie's place for brunch because we had a a nice schedule working Mm -hmm. together. And I talked about these these issues, yeah, frustrations and issues that I was having. And then we like decided, oh, maybe maybe we should do this together. I mean, it makes sense. We're both from the Philippines. And then as we kept on like going and trying to find uh, places to sh- to have an exhibition at Darren overheard us and he was like <laughs> guys guys, guys. Uh, I want to be with y'all and I was like well duh and that's just how it happened it's just like no you're exactly yeah, it was kind of like, like, if you're gonna have a fucking Filipino thing like you cannot like not have me <laughs> yeah exactly and we, like I make clothes <laughs> I make yeah so it kind of just like started as this lonesomeness trying to get through and finding out there's power in numbers and community yeah. and that's what kind of made love we also free. realized that more and more as we went along that like that we, we should do this there's like this yeah. shit has never been done before yeah. like yeah. that's what makes also much stronger mm-hmm. we were like wait yeah that's true yeah. has there like, ha- have I ever been to a nice exhibition in Iceland where it's, like, some brown people? Hell nah. No. 
Are we like the pioneers of this shit? <laughs> Pretty much. And also, like, when you think about it, we're like really well-rounded, like almost like jack of all trades. Because mm-hmm. like, I don't only like to do clothes. Like, it's the main thing that I do. But I like to like jam-pack everything like through the clothes that I make. And you are, you both are really into like fashion and clothing. And so mm-hmm. it's always, like, it's always in the shit that we talk about. Mm-hmm. We all paint. We all draw. We dress nice. <laughs> we dress. We cute. Always we cute. impeccably. <laughs> <laughs> We have taste. <laughs> I think that's really well put because you essentially are writing this history right now and it's really important and um, I'm so glad that you're sharing it with us. Thank you. I, thank you. I'm also really glad. Mm-hmm. I like that like a classmate of mine like said it to me like the other day like she felt she felt like the three of us is like superhero of some kind <laughs> working together. <laughs> It it's feels like that when we're together, racism. for sure. And also, when you think about it, always it's it's always like much more interesting and impactful seeing someone working not only with like through one specific media, mm-hmm. where it's more like they're completely immersed in what they actually can do in everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really like refreshing. Mm-hmm. It seems like a. Like a fresh step forward on things. Yeah. And times three, I mean, it's that much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, uh, when I listened to, like, the first episode with Marcus, he, like, he really put emphasis on, like, uh, this main theme of, like, playfulness mm-hmm. in the bigger uh-huh. Icelandic, like, contemporary art history. And I think it's not as much, like, a big part of our practice, but more, I guess, we tend to be more, like, creating something that would hopefully create more of like a social impact Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. overt playfulness Mm -hmm. because it's very it's shameful i suppose when you do because people a lot of people do work with societal issues for their art practice but it's not always producing like political or societal effect in general Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that's something we hope to shed light on Mm -hmm. our practice yeah yeah, but I think like the playfulness lies yeah, in that as well. Yeah, uh, still lies Yeah, in that. because also we we nev- we're not like striving for perfection because no. we can't. No. We don't have the budget yet. <laughs> so we use all the shit that we can and make something out of it just like where we come from where people have to make exactly shit out of shit to make shit happen. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Do you remember when we when we started to always say janky? Yeah, that was like the main tagline. Yeah, that was like the word of our... I was like, how do we, like, is this okay? I was like, no, make it more janky. (laughs) Can you you explain that word for us? It's like... It's the overall aesthetic of the show, I suppose. Yeah, it's like, what we meant by janky in that case is like we wanted to apply how people are really resourceful in a certain environment, specifically with the Lucky Me show in the Philippines. Like, you have to just kind of make things work. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted, to, I did that through the sneaks or the slippers that I was making. When I was like, you kind of approach it in a way where, like, I need new slippers or new kicks. And you just kind of kit bash it together without thinking or approaching it with any sort of, like, perfectionist thing. It's just like, just make it work. Yeah. And it's, like, it's not crisp, but it looks crisp by it. It's hiding by a thread. Yeah. 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the exhibition that you're referring to with these works, um, the title of it is was Lucky Me? Mm. Question mark. Yeah. It's your first collaborative endeavor together mm-hmm. as Lucky Three um, in Kling and Bang in 2019. Mm-hmm. And it was really a breakthrough moment, as you say, in Icelandic art because it presented a new lens, a new viewpoint. I was lucky enough to be a guest at the opening and experience, you know, the way that you brought food and people together in this atmosphere that you created in the gallery walls. And it really was like transporting to another location um, or becoming a, a part of your pocket of the world. In a recent interview, Dear Finna, you reflect on it by noting the strength of being brown people in the white cube space. Yeah. Can you speak to that as a political move? Was that intentional or, be, or perhaps something that you know, you realized once the exhibition was up and how that might be a move towards greater inclusivity in the museum and gallery environment here? Yeah, 100%. It was a conscious decision. And like I said earlier, because I've seen people like me and myself being met with difficulties, I thought it was very important to take this step and try to fight for our voices Mm. to be heard and to be able to create a space where kind of the white people come in and they're like, wait, what is this? I don't know this. This is weird. And us being like, this is home. In this exhibition, you talk about the use of Filipino iconography and deconstructing it and reconstructing it. Can you explain for listeners what the exhibition was, what you created and why? We all had like a bunch of ideas and elements that we wanted to do. And this was like the strongest like yeah. items from that list. Which so... is like... Basketball is a big part of the culture. Yeah. Karaoke, religion, religion. Thus, the karaoke altar installation, mm-hmm. the store, the lucky me sorry sorry store, and then we had the uh, wall piece. There was also sound, mm-hmm. which was just like a cacophony of like sounds what one would normally hear. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an escape of like a like mm-hmm. as if you're going through a town because like the exhibition ended up being like almost set up like that. Mm-hmm. Like it would would go in and there's like this center of the town like basketball sports type of feel and then you go further into it and there's the the wall and the bye bye video works and then the sorry sorry store and then you end up eventually going into like a very intimate part which is the karaoke and the altar which mm-hmm. is almost like inside someone's home mm-hmm. so it's almost like like zoomed in gradually as you go into the show Mm-hmm. And there was a, quite a mix of found material that you'd sourced and also works that you made together mm-hmm. or individually? Yeah, most of it we did together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for example, Darren, he made all of the clothing himself. But I think we all brought like a different angle in the sense of like deconstruction and reconstruction. Like saying deconstruction and reconstruction, I think of it in one way, and then two of you think about it in like a completely other way. And like what was important in that, we made all of these objects in this environment with 
objects that's around here. But the iconography itself is echoing from the Philippines, like mm -hmm. an environment where we come from and all kind of connect with and through. Mm -hmm. Apart from the things that we... Yeah, that was brought from in. the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. I think that made it a lot stronger that... And also gave it another, like a stronger feel, I would say, lack of a better way to put it. That it's like things that were made from material here as well. It's like a mix of two, so it doesn't... I mean, I found that really important so it doesn't become way too literal or you're just putting like objects that would come from the Philippines in a certain place. Like there's a mix of it. It's not just that. Like yeah. that wasn't the end point. That's quite poetic when you think of yourselves as individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Reflex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also like I, th I feel like it, it heightened it like mm -hmm. as well or made it that gave it more of like a dream like or like a surreal thing when like going through it it's like you kind of recognize the object if you have been in like a similar environment to that but then it's also like it's a bit off it's not really that but it is that it's a different version of it yeah can you speak about the food that was offered at the opening yes mm -hmm. uh so it was actually our family who brought in the food we just asked our parents so like if they would they were willing to provide food for the opening and yeah, our aunties as our well. Our aunties as well. And mm -hmm. then it just like, it just became like a buffet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was presented in that yeah. way as a really large exactly. buffet. And then, you know. Food is I've... such a big and like a strong part of Filipino culture. And that also, it had to be in there. Yeah, mm -hmm. and yeah, since our collective work is really like geared towards the themes of racism as well, we felt the need to like address this through food as well because one could mm -hmm. say like food is the last bastion of racism. Mm -hmm. Like I remember like when we were in grade school, I felt shame like bringing yeah. food my mom uh -huh. made for me for like lunch because people complained that it was smelly. Yeah, or, or even like you for eating rice and called you rice. Yeah, yeah. And then gradually you end up in a place where you're like, you, you still take your lunch with you, but then you don't eat it, and then in turn you kind of hurt your mom and your dad yeah. who prepared the food for you because you didn't eat it, and they saw that you didn't eat it, and then they take it in a way and it's like, what am, what am I doing wrong? It's a very so natural like, and vicious. Yeah, yeah. Cycle. I end, I ended up like in the end, I ended up just taking sandwiches and yogurt mm. to school because I felt mm. so shamed. There was like one moment there when we presented like food item that was like on a banana leaf. It was like a steamed rice. Uh, mm. What is it called again? I forgot what it's called. <laughs> it's like a rice cake but it's wrapped in banana leaf. Yeah, right? it's yeah. wrapped in banana leaf and steamed for hours. Mm. It was just like this moment there when I saw my, I think, I don't know, it was my mom or my sister-in-law teaching people how to eat it. Mm -hmm. and what sauce to dip it in mm -hmm. and then like how to unfold the banana leaf it was just like such a beautiful moment mm -hmm. i mean you could really say that food is love and yeah yeah, yeah. I think that, that was so nice like in the open hour like food like i mean yeah, every time like food brings people together mm -hmm. period i think that's like such a like a big factor why like the opening worked so well was mm -hmm. because of the food you know it's just like yeah, it became like a like a hangout, yeah, it's street party mm -hmm. inside, but outside, but it's inside. Through what other ways did you activate viewers? I mean, I feel like the performances maybe made people like wonder what's happening. The movement through the performances, yeah. like in the basketball, and also the videos were something that could like made people like taken in other ways while yeah. while being in the environment yeah like we said earlier i had so many elements 
and so many subjects. Mm -hmm. For example, in one video, it's just me talking to my family over some dinner, talking about my grandfather and experiences of theirs in the Philippines. And then we had another video that was totally different and it was about colorism, it was about... About poverty. Poverty, about... yeah, about the culture in the Philippines, both toxic and... Well, the corruption. And yeah, corruption and, and also the, you know, tsunamis and stuff. Yeah, just like all of the, the horror that also <laughs> follows with being there or being from there and so we were not like glorifying anything we we're just being honest and we we're just like, like that's this how is, it is this is how it is and this is how we see it and also like through the or like a moment in the soundscape we wanted to include like having like the voice of Duterte kind of looming in there mm -hmm. where he talks about his uh, his war on drugs which is present in the Philippines mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of... It's hard to talk about the president with our parents. That's why we couldn't have that, like... Yeah. yeah. We wanted to incorporate him more. It was just like... <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to... Exactly I think it worked yeah. like, well Too because literal. there's so yeah. much, like, blissful ignorance towards it. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, that was a way for us, like, to make it in the... Like, it's there. And, you, I mean, you can't see it as, like... You can, you can hear it, but you're deciding not to mm -hmm. listen to it. Yeah. And like in the video, uh, I had some kids dancing in the street and gunshot sounds when they were doing death drops and stuff. Yeah. I think that was maybe kind of enough. We didn't have to like put a picture of him mm -hmm. or, or make a statue of him because that would like... Glorify. Yeah. That's glorification. Yeah. Or like then you kind of... Yeah. Yeah, there were definitely like conscious decisions to not make it too literal. I think I need to talk about the the imagery and the the pipe pie. Yeah, the pipe pie is the uh, the folded fan on the wall. Yeah, that we made together, and yeah. made it into a painting. Yeah. Me and Melanie. There's a huge mosquito <laughs> sucking the life out of a person. It's kind of beautiful, but it's gruesome, and that's kind of the reality. The and reality. <laughs> kind of sums up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's like oh, these. Man. Carnivorous plants. Car yeah, carnivorous yeah. plants. So the exhibition was really, you know, a spectrum of joy and this sort of dystopic mm -hmm. yeah. atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's like, you of course want to celebrate, but then at the same time, it's like, you can't really completely straight away just celebrate, celebrate without acknowledging everything else. I don't know, it's just as important, like, highlighting all the bad shit. Mm -hmm. the reality yeah because that's what makes the reality of it did you receive any interesting feedback or do you think that these messages were translated to viewers or oh yeah we had some some comments we had comments about that we didn't explain our work enough and we should have had like wall text next to specific works mm -hmm. but we were very like adamant on that like that we didn't want that because yeah, it was really conscious. It, yeah, because like then we are presenting it as like novel to pieces. Yeah, yeah it's like, and th that was talked about in the media. Like when we saw th they had like a talk with some mm. people on roof, and that was just so white. 
this alone has been talked about in relation to contemporary movements that are happening right now with Black Lives Matter and everything that mm-hmm. it's not up to people to explain who or what they are or what they're yeah, yeah, yeah what they should be respected for mm-hmm. it's up to us to learn and be open to seeking that information ourselves mm-hmm. exactly yeah we set up the exhibition together and we made conscious decisions like walking through the first the basketball court that's like symbolizes like the center where everybody meets like mm-hmm. for hanging out or celebrating or having parties and then we had like my little brother was boxing because mm-hmm. that's a really big part of Filipino pride is Manny Pacquiao because yeah. he's like the mm-hmm. shit <laughs> and then we had like the bathing area with the plastic tub and then like this pot looking plastic thing to like bathe in because yeah, or you used to like pour water on yourself when you're like quote unquote bathing or yeah so showering. it's like it's the shower yeah. and, and then, outside yeah for people, outside for everyone yeah. to see because you go to you, you and that was a fancy version because you had a floor mat yeah. you're lucky enough if you have a floor mat there, or that your shampoo. bucket is not cracked yeah yeah, yeah and shampoo sachets and also like with the basketball like why basketball is just like it's it's like the football in the philippines i guess also like in many countries in southeast asia it's like it's one of these sports that's just like everybody watches like with the boxing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's also the place exactly where fiestas are held and stuff in you know little yeah the little villages So that's why we started with that. And then we mm-hmm. led you into, like, deeper into the... But I'm going to... Neighborhood. Town village. Town village. Yeah. And then you you see the wall and everything mm-hmm. around it. And then you go into the home, the last piece. So it was like, nobody could have curated that. that. So somebody comes to me and is like, yeah, wow, this is such a great show. Who curated it? And I was like... Bitch, please. Do you, like, I was, I thought, like, do you really think a white person could have done this? Somebody Icelandic, Jon Jonsson or whatever. Nah, we did that ourselves and they were so shocked. They were like, wow, that's really good. Like, so you expected us not to be able to do that. Like, present our own Oh, so that was so condescending, but like, wow, that is so good. Yeah, there was a lot of questions regarding who curated the show. Yeah. And we're just like, yeah. And we're like, like mm. never needed it. <laughs> and that's what's at the core of this discussion. Yeah. Okay. Don't expect us to have greatness in us. Yeah, but also this retelling of history and allowing yeah. to people to tell their own stories from their own perspectives and mm-hmm. within spaces like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you would have gone it? through like a second or third party, it would have yeah. been filtered. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been it. And it was really a cohesive work in itself, mm-hmm. you could say, in one installation. Yeah, yeah 100%, yeah. I mean, like, even though, like, I, like, sewed the clothes and everything, I still think it's, like, we all did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was also a lot of questions, like, yeah, one aspect is, like, who curated the show, and then, like, who owned what piece? Because as a people can equate it to, like, a collective work. No, no, because yeah, people thought... Collective, yeah. No, yeah. people thought it was just, like, three individual artists showing together and presenting it as a collective work. No. Oh. our pro- We work as a collective. All three of us all has 
had our hands on each individual pieces yeah. of that exhibit. We had a say in everything. No, nothing went through without yeah. us being like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. So yeah. that's your approach. Yeah. Yeah. It, yes. We're a team. Like, yeah. we, we are not... We had to leave the ego somewhere yeah. and like work yeah. together because then, yeah, it made the pieces and the show stronger. Did this exhibition bring you any more or a new sense of belonging or inclusivity? What do you take away with you from it? We did that, we can do that, and we can keep on doing it, and we want mm -hmm. to keep on doing it. So you feel like there's more to say? There's more to say. Yeah. And also just like... Um... As much as it is like an ego boost to be able to do that show, it is uh, like humbling as well. Also like, like hoping that it also boosts other minorities to gun for it. Mm -hmm. Because they can see. Like looking at yeah. that, it's like you can't. Find, you can do it. Like you just have to say, "Hey, I'm here too." And also, I think like ways of working that I like you can take away from it that was mm -hmm. really refreshing for me. At least it's like because it takes it knocks you out of just you know, working with clothing. It can be like really flat in a way. Mm -hmm. That's just like in a system of like cut, sew, mm. something. Production or which can be, it can be, it can be so dry, mm. so dry. And people look at it in a different way. Yeah, it becomes more of just like um, like a relic, or like like a, just like a heightened object more than just being a Commodity. piece of yeah clothing mm -hmm. or what have you. Mm -hmm. In okay. relation to the works, do they exist? Or did you just take everything down and sort of That's displace like it? Saddest. It's the saddest part because like most of it, the only thing that's I got, I got the chinelas left. Yeah, you have the clothes. I'm, yeah, I have all the clothes and uh, the sneaks. You have the, the yeah, the sun box as well. The boxing. The, the boxing yeah, I still, I, I still have the boxing bag. I have the <laughs> I still have like the basketball board. Uh, no, we had to disassemble the wall and return it so we could get refund. <laughs> so we could have something out of this? Because we didn't get paid or anything. It was like yeah. manual labor, no pay whatsoever. So yeah. we had to like return something to be able to like have something for us. And then and we didn't have space to keep things. It was, yeah, it was so sad to having to dismantle and destroy the store. And then after that, though, when we went to... Yeah, when but we, we still to... did the fantasy, though. Even though yeah. I had to be taken down. And yeah, as like as a commemorative like ritual of sorts. After we took down the exhibit in Klingobang, we went to Delfinus place and we ate everything that was in the store. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> so we had the noodles. The noodles with the egg and the sardines. Yeah, and the sardines. Oh, oh yeah. so it's oh yeah, so good. Then oh. planning for the next exhibit mm -hmm. and that same said dinner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We noticed now that Nilo was asking for people to apply and they actually like made like a text saying hey minorities and you know please apply that has never been done before and I li I'd like to think that we had a big part in that because that had never been done before. So um, we applied for that. Let's see if we get it. <laughs> Has the scene now opened up to you in a different way? I feel like when we did it, we got a lot of like, yo, that was cool. And we had some media attention and we did some interviews. But, you know, nothing has been like offered to us or something 
to continue or no it's more or less still the same grind yeah but people know us though more yeah because yeah. of this collective true yeah so the plan is to keep moving forward yeah. mm-hmm. as the collective it's yeah. not just a temporary no yeah i mean i think like that's a like a key thing isn't it it's like you have to keep the momentum going for it to actually like pick go up. even further and pick mm-hmm. up other elements along the way to make it stronger mm-hmm. and stronger also we just kind of made like a pack like starting this we're just like family now and this is our house. Come for us, we're gonna voodoo the shit. <laughs> we're so excited to do the next show. Like we're so hyped. That's yeah. great to hear. Yeah. Um, let's talk a bit about the scene here and your connection perhaps to the art history that exists that is written in the books here. You've all studied. Mm-hmm. What is your connection to themes that have been highlighted in the history? For example, land or landscape. How does it relate for you coming from a different landscape at a very young age? The thing is, it doesn't. <laughs> I would have to say the same. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really. It doesn't really do anything for me. In a way, because I feel like it's been done over and over and over and over. And I feel like I have much more to offer than just to look to what's in front here that's already been done and, like, it's in the cycle still and will be. I mean, like, that's there. And it's just, like, other things just catches you in, like, in a more powerful way, I suppose. It's like... And I think what we look at, all of us, like, it, like, comes from all angles. And if something we more, like... All medias and... Which I, I think, like, underlines even more, like... Like, I was talking to my friend, like, I'm sharing a, a studio with, like... Like, we were talking about, like, we'd rather be, like, a jack-of-all-trades than... Yeah, it's never really, like, impacted me in a way that it's... It has functioned as a... Some sort of driving force for what I do, I suppose. These other elements are just more powerful to me. Yeah. Since I work mainly with paintings, like, even in the greater painterly traditions of Caraval and everyone else... Like, I just can't situate myself with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm in this, like, still foreign and distant to me. I suppose that that's just, like, 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 yourself, like, I suppose, like, unconsciously, unconsciously being, like, staying true to yourself and, like, mm-hmm. what you're into and what you're into, instead of, like, applying what's already, but what is, like, a certain practice into what you do. Art is really activated by that, by people talking about their identity and their voice, and it's so rich and powerful, and there's just so many layers mm-hmm. that become political in themselves. Whereas here it's really difficult to to have cultural conversations and to think about different viewpoints and how people may not connect here, mm-hmm. even though they live here and have always lived here. Mm-hmm. What about influences? What influences Lucky Three, aside from your personal histories? Do you look to any historical figures or contemporary artists? I'm really bad with names. <laughs> That's the thing, but... I think it's more of just, like, it's atmospheres in a... movies, music. Yeah. Yeah, a lot yeah. of pop culture. I get inspired a lot by anime, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always there for me when I'm looking for something. Or like. But we definitely did some research, like, finding some Filipino artist that we could maybe see something that we wanted to, like, dive deeper into. Or, or like, see how they presented their work and 
have more options on how we wanted to do things. And, and also when sense. we did this, it's like, or did Lucky Me, it was very by feel. Yeah. And your collective imagination was enough. That, yeah. That's yeah. the well yeah. source that you needed. Yeah. Not, I mean, like, I guess we could have inspired... like Not in a way for, like, saying that of being, like, oh, we're the shit. Or, like, we don't need inspiration. It's just, like, it was just very, like, It was already rich. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, it's already there. Mm, like, yeah. the material and everything that we were working with is, like, it didn't really need that, like, much, like, tampering or, like, work and rework to it being elevated or, like, influences getting melded in there or anything, in a way. And also, we influence each other a lot. And, yeah, I think just conversations of ours have, have been the yeah. biggest influence. I don't... I, I, I wouldn't have a, this person or this artist influence us. It's just, I guess, pop culture and how... Or maybe just the movements in general. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I mean, you also referenced your, the experience of your parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a vast well to tap into, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a uh, influence. So when we were planning the show, my cousin was moving to Iceland. How old is she? She is now seventeen. Okay, sixteen. She was sixteen. Yeah. She was moving from the Philippines here. Her father has been here since I was a child. So like that was a really special part of like the exhibition because she was coming. And she was going to see the opening and she brought a lot of the stuff that was in the exhibition, like like the stuff in the store. And when mm. she came here, I went with her to show her Iceland, the city and what I was doing and the exhibition and why she was supposed to bring all this stuff. And that was really exciting. And we had a talk. I recorded us talking about art in Hapnarhuset. And... I just asked her questions about the art there and it was really pure and the approach was like, yeah, exactly, because she has never been presented art like this or been in a museum before. Mm. And that was something that was also a big influence for us because, for example, our, our parents have kind of not gotten sometimes what we do. So it was like a similar kind of effect for them coming mm -hmm. like having someone saying like welcome home yeah. yeah but this was the time where they came to our exhibition and were like hey i know this yeah. hey let's take a selfie with this <laughs> you know yeah, that was probably like the first experience like with art like or like relatability with an mm -hmm. art of being like i connect through that like they saw themselves reflected. Yeah, like my mom ever never like stepped in an art space mm -hmm. before. Yeah, the influence is basically our family and their detachment of art. Like it's that not part of their life, and we're kind of like bringing that into their life. I think that was maybe the biggest influence because there was so much dialogue, and we learned so much about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And talked about things with our, our families that we hadn't talked about before because we ha were having the exhibition. So I guess that is like the biggest influence mm -hmm. and the biggest reason why we want to keep on going also. Yeah, it sounds like the exhibition was really a catalyst in so many ways in diving deeper into mm -hmm. the themes that you presented mm -hmm. and working through, mm -hmm. you know, histories that were less familiar. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I think also like to add on to that, like loving what you do in your work, like with our families, I think we all still have that running feeling of needing to prove mm-hmm. what we're doing. It's not fun and games. It is actual work. It's not a hobby. It is legit because our parents' generation have a completely different outlook mm-hmm. on work and getting by in contrast to how we look at things. Yeah. I it's think... always there, I think, that mm-hmm. even if you, like, you're not thinking that you're not doing it for that, it is, I think, a strong factor of like, like how you want to make things more punchy mm-hmm. is to also say to their generation or like our parents is like, I'm still doing this shit. My face. Exactly. Yeah. Because there is like this feeling. I didn't move from shit. Just so that you can paint. <laughs> so just so you could go come yeah. here and be a poor artist. Exactly. I, I was looking for some money, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking and bringing bills. Yeah. I'm not bringing bills, but. <laughs> How yeah. do you reconcile that though? That feeling with your family? Just... Yeah, that's why the show was dedicated to them. Because we want it as much as we want to represent, we also want to like create a safe space for them, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. like us. Yeah. yeah. To like, it's, it's almost just like being like, see? Yeah. <laughs> no like, clap! This, this is legit. Like, can you, be, can you be proud of me now? Can you be proud? Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, yeah we did that. <laughs> Are there other things? that you think are missing from the contemporary art scene in Iceland? More of us. <laughs> Not as collectives, as like, just yeah. POC artists. Because like, as much as like, we can't discuss like, further how embedded oppression is, it is so much in us as artists as well, as creatives, so we have to constantly challenge this idea because our silence and our invisibility is as much undermining our oppression mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yes, yes. it'd be more visible we can't just because yeah we're also painting like the white savior narrative for us just waiting for someone to knock our doors to be presented as opportunities it goes beyond the labels of being identified as a person of color yeah and an artist yeah. you probably all would rather just be called an artist yeah yeah totally what is next on the table for Lucky Three? Well, we're currently applying for... An um, exhibition space. Yeah, exhibition space to go even further with more or less the same dialogue and approach with working in, like with a certain environment and like certain relics in that environment. Yeah, yeah we're just going deeper. Yeah, for yeah. instance, mythologies... And the legends. Class symbols. Yeah, we're just diving deeper into the topics that we started opening. And we're hoping to be able to get another chance to talk about what we experience and what our families experience and other other people as well. Keep on being together and making art together. I think like what excites me most is like seeing how we work together even further. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. Hustling together. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff from that, like, we all have also, like, our own, like, solo side gigs, I suppose. Like, mm-hmm. 
Side gigs. Side gigs. I'm an Sorry. artist on the side. So. Yeah. Side gigs. I'm a solo artist on the side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think it's really great that you, the three of you, are doing what you do. And I thank you so much for opening up this perspective and allowing us to, you know, hear more about, about what you're doing in life and how you think about your practices. Thank you for the conversation. This was like a really nice talk. I, I really liked it. <laughs> Thanks for listening in on episode four of the Icelandic Art Center podcast out there. In episode five, we dive into artist run Reykjavik. Join in here next time. <laughs>